Welcome to Sales and Marketing Fry Talks, where we share insights, best practices and anecdotes from technology companies. Join us live on LinkedIn or subscribe to our podcast. And now to the new episode. And today uh, in our episode, we decided to uh, talk about the service um, or how, how to call it. Yeah. Um, as a service business model. Yeah. And why so? Uh, there are different estimates, but currently I think McKinsey um, has said uh, uh, that the total market capitalization for the SaaS uh, market is worth about three trillion dollars. Uh, so imagine this this huge uh, huge number, and uh, just hundred uh, companies from the top of the SaaS business makes uh, uh, around 22% growing annually. So this business is really growing comparing to the traditional technologies kind of business, which is one digit uh, uh, number growth uh, annually. So it seems that there is uh, quite a significant potential. And um, still, though, there are quite many companies who uh, kind of uh, have this traditional business model running and uh, uh, they are doing well, but uh, they also um, looking around and uh, uh, trying to understand whether this as a service model is something to um, you know invest into. And today uh, we decided to really devote our episode discussing um, what it is uh, as a software uh, as as a service business model and uh, what are the important. Uh, metrics uh, to look at and uh, in general all other considerations when uh, planning uh, shifting to this business model and uh, Roland specifically uh, has um, an, an expertise in this area because he uh, spent quite a lot uh, time uh, researching this topic and he recently also was running a training or a workshop for some of the business leaders of uh, IT companies here in Latvia. And that is why we also bring this, this topic for a broader audience. So, Roland, uh, tell us. Yes, I think um, as a service business model, and, and here again, I want to stress that uh, as a service part, not necessary software as a service. Um, so this business model indeed is, is growing, uh, growing quite quickly. And actually, I read uh, this week uh, data from IDC, and their forecast was that uh, traditional technology business will not be growing this year at all. That is, of course, because uh, because inflation, recession, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, however, as a service business is still growing, and if we if we look at uh, why as a service business model is growing, uh, I think uh, first of all we have to consider what are the changes on customer size or on buyer size when uh, they are faced with as a service business model and um, look if we compare like i don't know 10 years 15 years 20 years ago how typical technology project looked like it was a hell of bureaucracy of meetings of requirement analysis of budgeting etc etc so that was indeed high friction uh, process not only because it took quite a lot of time but also because it uh, placed quite a bit of burden on buyer and if we look uh, very specifically, then uh, these persons who were involved in that project or were driving it, they also faced quite significant personal risk. Because what if my project after year of deliberation and hundreds of thousands of euros fails? 
right? It's like an end of end of career for many, right? And this was not indeed uh, stimulating innovation or, or or helping or make it, it easier to buy. And now, if we compare how as a service business model looks like purely from buyer's perspective, it's 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 completely different game. First of all, it's very easy to start, typically, right? You can you can get your hands on product basically right now after you have entered your credit card details and so on. A uh, second thing, typically you're paying reasonable cost. So you don't need to invest as it was like, like 10 years or 15 years ago in server infrastructure, in licenses, in everything. You don't really need to pay traditional entry cost in access to technology. You get technology basically as a service. And it makes very cheap and very easy to try. And very often you don't even need to ask permission to anyone, right? And this. This uh, permissionless use is actually, I think, very, very powerful thing because it allows to try. It removes the risks. What do you think, Andres? Yeah, I think uh, everything what you just described are really um, great benefits of the end customer. And I think the SaaS model or software as a service specifically uh, has democratized technology and made it available to a very you know, broad audience, which were having some kind of... Uh, uh, as you said, limitations or barriers to enter into this uh, kind of advanced technology space. Um, however, I would look at this also from the company, IT company perspective. What are the advantages for, for companies to provide as a service anything? So it can be a software, it can be also self, uh, kind of services as a service or I don't know, whatever else they, they provide. And I think, again, if you look from that perspective, Traditionally, IT companies, they were serving like um, mid-sized companies and enterprise largely, right? Who were having a significant budget uh, to, to spend on the IT services. The, these projects were pretty lengthy, pretty heavy, uh, of course, profitable as well. But uh, <coughs> at the same time, they were very difficult to scale. And I think... Uh, what uh, as a service business model opens again, similar to where SaaS currently is, it's uh, it's actually opportunity to uh, scale and to enter to new markets, right? Like a mid-size and even small businesses, where you can package your services and provide it in fixed price on fixed scope to large uh, amount of your customers, right? And the advantage of this model is uh, that first of all you can operate more cost effectively, right? So because your services are more standardized, they are more structured, it's easy to deliver and easy to sell, right? Uh, secondly, it's scalability. So you can uh, really uh, go to very broad number of customers and deliver it at scale, uh, both like geographically, um, to new markets, but also to maybe new segments and, and, and so on and so forth. Another, I think, uh, important aspect is uh, competitive advantage. Because when you uh, looking currently again to the market, uh, you see that uh, mostly IT companies operate in this kind of traditional business model when they provide customized services, uh, you know, and, 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 and so forth. But uh, if you're looking to ways how to differentiate yourself, this uh, fixed price, fixed scope uh, delivery can be one of the most competitive uh, kind of advantages what, uh, what, what uh, can help you really 
differentiate and grow. What do you think, Rohan? Yes, I, I, I totally agree. And I think uh, a lot of uh, what we can call traditional software development or customized solution companies sit actually on a treasure trove of uh, competencies and IP, which they can rather easily turn into products. And, uh, you know, uh, SaaS business model allows you to, as you mentioned, uh, work on global market. Basically, you don't have barriers to deliver. Modern marketing helps you identify and reach out to your uh, potential clients. So suddenly, everything that you have uh, can be turned into another revenue stream for, for, for companies. So, for example, if they have uh, experience working some kind of specific industry, meeting some kind of specific uh, compliance requirements, um, they possibly can uh, can document best practice and build a product around it, right? And because uh, because they can deliver it global and because they can spread the cost of that product uh, around the number of customers, this product at the end also can be cheap, right? And it can be sold at price point at which it couldn't be sold otherwise. So basically, you get uh, you you get get access to business opportunities that you couldn't get access to with your traditional business model like uh, like no way so i think uh, in general this is uh, this is very very attractive uh, business model for companies however you know devil is in the details and i would say that uh, that uh, the biggest uh, or, uh, the biggest problem or the biggest challenge to understand and figure out uh, really is not technology it is not marketing but uh, it is finance actually Right, and let me elaborate a bit about it uh, because you see, uh, if we look at uh, at software as a service or whatever as a service business model, the economics is simple: uh, user or consumer of service is paying typically monthly fee and small monthly fee every month, right? And the thing is that uh, that the moment when you become cash flow positive is actually quite distant in time for many reasons, and let's let's look at few of them. Uh, as as we know, and it's it's well documented, the, the buyer's journey in uh, for B two B SaaS products is two hundred thirty three days, which makes seven point six months, right? So it means that from the moment you start uh, promoting your product and you get first customer interest, probably at least seven months will go until actually you have customers starting paying for for your product. Right. Uh, then you have to consider that uh, that uh, you are not alone on the market, and we know from uh, from uh, research that the time period to recover the cost of acquiring a single customer for SaaS companies typically is from eight to twenty months. Right, and and this uh, this uh, removes the payback period even further. So uh, actually, if we look at um, at cash flow. And if we also consider uh, product development costs, then we look at least uh, probably two, three, maybe even up to five years of um, period of negative cash flow until companies start uh, really, really profit from, from SaaS business, right? And it needs to be planned quite carefully how to, how to close this gap of negative cash flow. And, uh, and I would imagine that actually most, most companies or, or many companies uh, would uh, would be well advised to uh, seek actually external external investor. Otherwise, this uh, you know because you need why do you, why would you need external investor? And and here would be many things. First of all, uh, to help with uh, I would say to help with uh, investment and uh, and cash. But second is you probably would be better off if you had somebody who have 
already uh, um, some experience with bringing SaaS uh, products to market. Because again, it's not uh, it's not so straightforward as it may seem. I think uh, uh, kind of uh, drawbacks what what uh, probably this model can bring and uh, the most important you just described. However, on the other hand, look at it from different perspectives. So. Uh, staying with your traditional model means, you know, going uh, after more and more competitive uh, market and, and fight for, you know, these one-time deals, right? So you need to really uh, fight for your customers, for new projects. And uh, what also happens is that also on the client side, uh, this mind shift uh, is, is taking place towards, you know, the service type of the model and delivery. Of course, not everywhere. And and I think uh, still there will be a space for some kind of combination of both models. But but in general, if you look to, you know, again, some growth opportunity, the biggest growth opportunity uh, is among those white space customers who maybe don't have yet uh, implemented those new practices, new services and things like that. And that is where exactly you can go and um, try to build new revenue streams with as a service offering. However, as Roland said, uh, it, it's it's matter of the financial planning. I, I think another important, uh, important consideration is actually switching uh, expectations of buyers because it's changing quite dramatically. And you see, particularly as younger generation enters uh, and becomes uh, decision makers regarding technologies, their expectations are very much shaped by technologies that they are using today, like things like, I don't know, Spotify, Spotify, Netflix, uh, Vault, uh, food deliveries, etc. And we also know from research quite well that, uh, that uh, there is strong trend that the younger the buyers are, the less they are inclined to talk with sales representatives at all. And uh, very often, even if the, if the better choice for, uh, for let's say, for company or, or well, let's say organization would be a really custom solution, very often they would go perhaps to inferior SaaS solution simply because younger buyers are tended to do self-service. They want to figure out on themselves how to use the product, right? And this means that even for uh, rather traditional business models, uh, uh, companies would be better off if they had at least some as a service offering as a door opener, right? Because once, uh, once customer starts to use your software as a service offering, uh, the chance that uh, you can engage them and then sell uh, custom development, uh, integration, uh, support, training, services, etc., are much, much higher, right? But if you don't have any simple to use, easy to start offering, you just don't get to that conversation uh, at all because then you leave uh, customers really on their own and most likely they will start using uh, some, some of your competitors' product, even if it's inferior, but they can start using it today and they just go that way and you lose them uh, forever. And I think uh, for many tech companies who are still in more traditional business, they, they need to, they have to start get a bit paranoid because it's a, it's a big shift. It will not, it, it has started, right? And it will probably, this transition still will take maybe 10, maybe 20 years, but the traditional business seems uh, to be going away. Anyway, you look at it. Yeah, and continuing on those uh, other uh, advantages, I think uh, uh, despite this financial uh, challenge you might face in the beginning, um, 
I, I think the the big uh, kind of advantage of this as a service model is that you are getting uh, a subscription uh, based model, right? So you have a number of customers who are paying you every month or every quarter or maybe annual. It depends how do you price your your services or product. But these are like recurring revenues, and that, that in the long run uh, will simplify your life uh, significantly, right? Um, but I think what what when we discuss nowadays like advantages and some drawbacks and, and challenges uh, of the as a service model, how to get there? And and I think uh, looking from again IT traditional IT company, like uh, those who are providing like managed services or integrations or custom development or anything like that. Uh, those steps can be potentially starting with just looking back at your, at your practice, at your projects, what you have done in last uh, period of time. And uh, with, the, with the idea to identify some repetitive processes, repetitive projects and repetitive scopes uh, of your services and, uh, and, and try to kind of see if these can be productivized. So can you really, um, you know, your projects, what you have done in the last 12 months or 24 months, um, kind of make as a, as, as a repetitive product? That would be, I think, the first step to start with. And if you if you find it uh, possible, so the next step would be uh, try to really uh, productivize that. So meaning to define really the scope, which is uh, clearly described, to define the processes behind that. How do you sell it? How do you deliver it to your customers? And obviously to define uh, the price because of the uh, what makes other service different from the product or custom services clear, clear uh, timeline of delivery and the price. And that is what needs to be in place. Yes, and speaking uh, very bluntly, I, I, I mean, I would recommend for, for companies who are developing custom solutions, after each custom solution is delivered, actually to have a meeting and ask yourself, how we learned something, how we developed some processes that we can actually, actually standardize and turn it into product. Because from my perspective, I see that uh, to start with uh, SaaS business and to start with something that you can scale, first step would be to figure out your specialization. What it would be, uh, certain solution areas, certain industry, certain type of customers, etc. And you have to be very, very clear what your ideal customer profile is. And then you, uh, then, then you need to think how to build your specialization so that your solution would be perfect specifically for that ideal customer profile type of, of, of customers. Then you need to think how you can standardize your, 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 all your processes, starting from marketing, sales, to, uh, to onboarding, deployment, success management, how you can automate it, right? And uh, then I would say it would be time to start uh, planning, uh, planning financing, planning demand generation, right? That, that, that's, how I, that's how I would see it, these uh, first steps, how to think about, uh, about uh, offering an as-a-service uh, product. And actually talking about financing, uh, again, uh, financing is very weird for, for software as a service uh, products. And actually, 
uh, you probably have heard about some uh, companies having exceedingly high valuations and then breaking down. But if we see uh, really at uh, well-performing, well-managed uh, as a service businesses, there are many companies that have never been profitable. However, their business model indeed is sound because uh, the reason they are not profitable is simply because they are growing and all the time they are, they are adding extra customers which are not profitable in the first month or years. However, if you look at base of their customers, you see that, uh, that if you looked at only customers they had, let's say, that, that customers that they landed a few years ago and that they are still keeping, they're making tons of cash. They are just reinvesting it all the time in, 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 in growth. So from that perspective, it's weird business, but, uh, but it can be very, very profitable once you reach stage when you have covered, uh, you know, your cost of acquiring customers. Because then suddenly you start like, you know, like printing, printing money. It can be tremendously profitable. Yeah, however, there is still pass uh, to, to, to go, right? And uh, uh, you already mentioned about, uh, you know, those uh, standardizing processes um, on every level and everything else. I think another um, addition to that, uh, from my side, uh, looking to how, where the one of the biggest struggles companies experience is actually the motivation uh schemas and compensation schemas for the sales teams right again uh, in many traditional it companies um, as soon as the, the the project what typically is delivered to the customer is is pretty um uh, significant in revenue and there is uh, immediate uh, uh, kind of profit coming with that uh then typically sales people they are based on the either revenue or or even the, the profit uh, compensation model and uh, uh, in in this as a service model it not really it is not really working that way um, so you need to really carefully revise and uh, maybe rethink uh, your compensation model for salespeople because if they will remain on the same approach what you potentially might have now uh then the re revenue what they are getting what what they're generating monthly or even annually uh is significantly less right uh than in the uh, traditional project what uh, will make them uh focus still on selling your traditional uh type of services right and it will be harder to to switch to the new business model yes i totally agree and uh, if we look at uh at uh, as a service business model actually the best practice would be to uh, really you know deconstruct your buyer's journey into very specific uh, phases like starting from marketing with with uh, with uh, lead generation marketing qualified lead generation then then uh, sales qualified lead lead uh, qualification on the sales side etc and actually you want to incentivize you want to measure everyone on the buyer's journey, including customer success management, customer onboarding teams, customer support teams, renewal teams, etc. So it's a, it's a bit tricky thing uh, to get right. But uh, I totally agree with you that first of all, you need to make these uh, incentives meaningful so that people don't need to wait, you know, for five years until they really get uh, get uh, money in their pocket, right? Because these are your employees. This is not your company, which perhaps can wait. Right. And second thing, it's good practice still to incentivize, uh, incentivize longer term use, uh, because, you know, if you if you only incentivize, uh, let's say, signups or, or, or 
payments for the first month, you will end up with lots of uh, customers who sign up or lots of customers who pay once and then they just uh, just uh, go away, right? So it needs to be balanced so that you reasonably compensate in longer term and and uh, and uh, annual revenue is 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 like a good uh, good target to uh, to compensate people for. Yeah, and uh, um, in this other service model, what uh, also comes uh, as a different or new thing into the process is the marketing. And again, uh, many IT companies have either no marketing or very uh, thin marketing because in enterprise uh, sales, um, it happens uh, 101. Uh, in 101 format when you want to really scale and especially scaling it to the mid-market and small businesses you need to have really uh, a, um, a process behind which is always on and running and uh, delivering you leads building the pipeline and you have not only a couple of marketing managers doing that but uh, there is, should be a, a, a team uh, both of people and resources behind them. So that's that's important to consider. And then success management, as you, Roland, already mentioned a few times during this conversation, it becomes even more important because as, as soon as customer becomes a subscriber to your service, uh, it's important that they are satisfied, they feel always, you know, that you take care of them, they are getting best services, they are getting something new and so on and so forth. So that they, and, and most importantly, they realize the full value of what they have uh, bought, right? And, and that's often not the case. We have, you know, own experience paying something uh, for something and uh, we sometimes realize, but why do I use it? Why do I pay it, right? And uh, uh, as soon as, you have not been told properly how to use or how to you know benefit from those services uh, there is a huge risk of losing you as a customer so that's also very important uh, uh, consideration yes i totally agree with that but uh, you know if you look at our own experience i wouldn't expect uh, many companies to invest uh, too much uh, in uh, making us succeed with their products for simple reason we are rather small cons consumer if we were people with let's say 20 50 seats we would uh, we would have success teams calling us uh, just to make sure we are happy with their products much more often than now and from other hand andres <laughs> you and me know no, actually, that sometimes we have been contacted by success uh, success management teams who who obviously didn't knew how small customer we were, <laughs> because uh, you know uh, getting uh, getting the uh, invested labor or invested uh, success management resource just right is also quite a tricky thing, because as soon as you start managing success of companies like like ours, which is relatively small and still paying little for uh, for products, uh, that's unlikely to be profitable. You really want to figure out who your ideal customer profile is, and then you then you probably want to think in what kind of of packages or what kind of tiers should you pack your product with, what kind of service level, and so on, because you always need to keep uh, keep uh, uh, keep uh, your customer acquisition, customer support, customer success uh, costs in check, and you need to keep them in check for every tier of 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 your product offering. Or else you may end up with uh, rather rather 
uh, with a, a rather different set of customers of which somebody would be deeply deeply unprofitable and somebody would be highly profitable but on average most likely your profitability would suffer so these are these are very specific things that you need to real to be obsessed with all the all the metrics all the details all the finances all the costs in in as a service business model that's that's a key to to survive and actually to be profitable yeah, and terms to this uh, uh, root question, right? In the very beginning, who are your customers? And you're absolutely right. So uh, planning is super important for this uh, uh, as a service business, where in the very beginning, you have to really define those different tiers. And again, if you are IT company who today operates in the enterprise or kind of mid-market space where you can afford investing time of your salespeople, you know, senior people, quite expensive people and specialists uh, dealing with your prospects or customers uh, you know on very frequent basis then in uh, in the other service model you have to differentiate this you cannot anymore afford uh, as you said illustratively very nicely uh, you know people calling to company of 10 people or maybe of I don't know whatever number it would be so you have to really be very clearly defining what are the tiers of of your potential customers and what and how differentiates your marketing your sales your customer onboarding and success management processes for those different uh, tiers of uh, of your potential customers yeah so uh, i think uh, uh, we have discussed uh, uh, quite many things today i hope it uh, sparked an interest uh, in your minds about you know this other service business model and uh, um, we encourage you to learn more and investigate that because uh, we see that those companies who are switching to the other service business model they are really uh, experiencing quite significant growth and they are setting themselves for the um, future opportunity which is just about to come, um, though there, it, there is already quite a significant growth on the market. And another thing which I still want to reemphasize is that if you don't have as a service business model, uh, you are closing the doors for many customers. Because even if your business is such that you cannot have majority of revenue from as a service business model you still need to have something as a first step that is easy for customers to start using without friction so that they can experience and get at least some small part of value because that would be opening doors for your uh, for other of your business because again the younger the buyers are the less they want to deal with sales reps uh, requirements big discussions etc younger people want to try to, to figure out things on them by themselves and uh, set up everything by themselves and start using very very soon not uh, waiting for a long time or having long conversations with sales reps thank you Ron, for this wrap-up i think that was a good summary and um, just uh, want to remind that uh, please follow ibd consulting on the linkedin for more episodes and uh, more valuable content on on this and other topics and uh, join us every second Friday on LinkedIn, or you can watch uh, and listen to these episodes on uh, podcast platforms of your choice or on our YouTube channel. So just search for the hashtag FryTalks or B2B Sales and Marketing FryTalks, um, and, and you will find it definitely. Uh, otherwise, we wish you really finding your uh, 
business model and the next uh, growth opportunity and a wonderful uh, weekend and then we connect again in a couple of weeks for another conversation bye bye bye